I was at a friend's house and everything seemed fine. And then I got a headache, a really bad headache. Um, and then my left arm started to tingle. And because of the adverts I'd seen on television, the fast adverts, I thought, I know what this is, it's a stroke. And I actually said, I think I'm having a stroke, you better get an ambulance. There's quite a lot of complications. I had two strokes in one. I had a subarachnoid bleed and an intercerebral hemorrhage. When they tried to get me up to get me mobile, I kept collapsing to the point where I needed oxygen. I'd come around with an oxygen mask on me. After about a month in bed, I ended up with DVTs in both legs, which caused a pulmonary embolism. My stroke happened about four months after I'd moved into the house I'm in now. So it wasn't really like going home because I'd not really settled there yet. And it was very odd going back to a different house. But you just have to cope with it. There's nothing else you can do. It, it's very difficult because you have to learn to do all the things you've done before. You have to either learn to do them again in a different way or you rely on somebody else to do them for you. Take every day as it comes. If you have a bad day, you have a bad day. If you're tired, sleep, your next day could be better. You always have to start the next day in a better frame of mind, which isn't easy to do, but you always have to go past that and think, oh, today I'm going to be okay. Hello, this is Stroke Stories, and I'm Mark Goodyear. Stroke can have a huge effect on the day-to-day -day life of a survivor. Everyday tasks that would have been second nature can take hours to complete. They can require a significant amount of energy, leaving you feeling drained and fatigued. Adjusting to life after stroke can take a long time and sometimes result in the survivor feeling isolated and alone. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we speak to Marjorie Seven from Stockport, who suffered a stroke at the age of 65. I was a civil servant, was the last job, so it was mostly office work. Very active, lots of hill walking, gardening, doing my own decorating, all that sort of stuff. On my own, I could do it all. At that time, it was quite stressful because my mum had passed away some time earlier and there was personal things going on that put me under quite a lot of stress. Although I didn't really feel stressed because I don't think you always do. I can remember the start of it. I don't remember going to the hospital. I don't remember the ambulance evening arriving to get me. I remember the headache, a horrendous headache. I was at a friend's house and everything seemed fine. And then I got a headache, a really bad headache. And then my left arm started to tingle. And because of the adverts I'd seen on television, the fast adverts, I thought, I know what this is, it's a stroke. And I actually said, I think I'm having a stroke, you better get an ambulance. I remember my friends using the phone, sat next to me and that's the last thing I remember until the following morning when I woke up in the intensive care unit in Salford Royal. I don't remember anything at all. I believe that I was talking to the ambulance crew on the way there, but I have no recollection of that at all. I spent a week in Salford Royal and then they transferred me back to Stepping Hill because I was from Stockport into the stroke unit there. I spent another seven weeks in hospital there. There's quite a lot of complications. I had two strokes in one. I had a subarachnoid bleed and an intercerebral hemorrhage. When they tried to get me up to get me mobile, I kept collapsing to the point where I needed oxygen. I'd come around with an oxygen mask on me. After about a month in bed, 
I ended up with DVTs in both legs, which caused a pulmonary embolism. And from the fact that you've had a bleed, you can't have blood thinners like warfarin and stuff. So they then had sent me to Withinshaw Hospital to have what's called an IVC filter put into the big vein. And that's to catch the blood clots, if there's any blood clots, because they couldn't give me anything to stop them. So it was quite a rough ride, really. Eventually, they got me walking again. They were brilliant at Stepping Hill. They got me walking again, and then they discharged me after seven weeks there. If you do physio, you need to do it several times a day, and you need to do it every day of the week. The staffing levels don't allow for that. You perhaps have 10 minutes twice a week, and there's none at weekend because there's no physios in at weekend, only like an emergency backup physio thing. So you don't get enough, really, to keep you going. After a long stay in hospital, Marjorie had to adapt to life after stroke. Very strange because my stroke happened about four months after I'd moved into the house I'm in now. So it wasn't really like going home because I'd not really settled there yet. And it was very odd going back to a different house. But you just have to cope with it. There's nothing else you can do. It's very difficult because you have to learn to do all the things you've done before. You have to either learn to do them again in a different way or you rely on somebody else to do them for you. My grown-up son still lives with me, but obviously he's out at work all day. He does work long hours. He's really quite good. He's very helpful most of the time. Um, I don't want to be a burden on him. He's, He's of an age where he's got a girlfriend, he has a social life, and I don't want what's happened to me to impact on his life. So I try never to stop him doing what he wants to do because he's entitled to his life. No, it's not fair to expect him to drop everything for me. You don't want to be this burden on some, especially if you've had an active life before, where you could do everything you wanted to do, and more besides probably, but now you suddenly, you can't do that anymore. So there's sort of a bereavement in a way because you've lost who you were. So you've got to start and rebuild a new you, if you like. That's really hard to accept that. I can do a little bit of gardening, do about half an hour on a good day, and it probably then takes me an hour and a half to recover. Can't do a lot of bending down. That makes me dizzy and I might fall over, so I can't do that. Definitely can't do any decorating or anything like that because I've no hand to hold onto a ladder while I do what I need to do. So that's not very good. Cooking, I manage most of it. Some of it's quite funny because things tend to go flying out of your bad hand when you're trying to peel things like potatoes. <laughs> you know, I've dropped a few pots and things like that, but. That's what happens. It, you, know, you just have to accept that. Marjorie also had to fight to get the aftercare that she needed. I've had some physio at a neurophysiotherapy place in Cheadle. The lady there is very, very good. She's done a lot of research into what's causing the problems I've got here. It's still ongoing, to be honest. I'm still having appointments with consultants at Salford and going back to this lady and then another lady who's in what's called the STAR team, Amanda, who I saw when I first came out of hospital. That, again, was only for three or four months, and then once they get you to a certain level, then that stops. And it's only because I've mithered my doctor, like mad, for more physio that I've ended up going to see the neurophysiotherapist. You have to be very forceful and stubborn, because if you don't go and ask, you won't get. When I didn't have any physio after Amanda had left, and I met other people, and they were saying, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, and I thought, well, maybe I do. It does work to a degree, but you've got to keep going back. Marjorie wanted to meet other stroke survivors and soon found the local charity Stroke Information. 
There's not a lot out there for people who've had a stroke unless you want to make Christmas cards and they will tell you out there that is my pet hate. Wherever you go, we're going to make Christmas cards. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, A, I've never done it before. Why would I want to do it now? And B, it just doesn't interest me. But I think that's just unfortunate for me is because I was such an outside sort of person. All the things that they offer you now are things inside and geared to and I'm not young myself, but geared to much older people who are quite happy to, to just sit and do that sort of thing. But I'm not, I'm probably a bit stubborn in that I won't give up. I keep trying. But you've got to, because if you don't keep it going, you'll go backwards. If you talk to someone who's not had a stroke, they've no idea what you've gone through or what you're going through now, where all the people in stroke information have had strokes. So if you go in and say, I've had a bad day because this happened or that happened, you've got somebody there who can say, that happened to me, well, I did this. You can get different ideas that might help you. So it's very useful to swap all the information. Yesterday was World Stroke Day, and I went to Salford Royal with a couple of other people from here and met other people from other similar charities there, which was very good because we can now keep contact with them and help each other. I mean, some people don't know how to get a blue badge because they've not been in this situation before or whether to claim any sort of benefits to help them with getting someone to help do the housework or something like that. So it's helpful in that way as well. But you learn a lot. Yesterday was particularly good because there's a lot of research going on that people don't know about. It's all in the background. But there is a lot of research going on. And I think, I think there needs to be more publicity about strokes, not just the fast adverts and and about what's available to you after a stroke. Marjorie spent such a long time in hospital after her stroke, but worked hard with her physio and found a local support group that helped her adapt to her new life. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Marjorie talks about trying to come to terms with her stroke. I don't feel I'll ever really accept it totally, but that also makes you want to fight it and to try and get back as much as you can of what you had. And the impact that it's had on her active lifestyle. The me was the outdoor type. The, you know, I've done zip wiring, I've done all sorts of daft things like that. It was quite, I wouldn't say a massive adrenaline junkie, but I enjoyed doing things that were active and, and I can't do them. Let's hear how Marjorie's stroke affected those closest to her. I haven't got a large family. I think it came as a shock because my friends, particularly a group that I'm going on holiday with and do now, they, I still go with them. They've all said the same thing that out of the people, they would not have expected it to be me that had a stroke because I didn't smoke. I rarely drank. I ate a healthy diet and I got loads of exercise. And all the things that you're supposed to do to not have a stroke are those. They are... Absolutely brilliant. I couldn't fault them. I've just come back from four days in Mallorca with them. And they're so, they look after me, they're so kind. And even then I feel a burden because I'll say, well, if you want to do something I can't do, go do it. I'll sit and read by the pool. Or That bothers me a lot. I feel that I'm in the way or holding people back. And I think that applies to a, a lot, lots of people who've had a stroke. Although people think it's lifestyle that causes it, it isn't always lifestyle that causes it. And you can't judge the people who've had strokes and say that they're all living a bad life because I'm living proof that that isn't so. Although a number of years since her stroke, Marjorie still finds she has good days and bad days too. Partly because of the bereavement feeling side of it. I think 
people who've had a stroke often burst into tears for no reason months afterwards. The slightest thing can just set you off. It's better now than it was. It does get better. But it does make you very emotional. You just have to keep going, really. It's a bit like any bereavement. You can't change what's happened. You can't go back. There's no miracle cure. So it's learning to live with, with what's happened and learning to live with what you've got now. There is some bitterness because, like I said, I feel I've done all that I could to not have it. And it's still got me. So that annoys me. You do sit there sometimes and think, I wish I could do this and I wish I could do that before. I won't be going hill walking again. And that was a big thing in my life. But I just can't do the hills. You've got to try and accept it, but it is very difficult. I think I'm nearer that now than I was. I don't feel I'll ever really accept it totally. But that also makes you want to fight it and to try and get back as much as you can of what you had. Marjorie's also found that her stroke has changed the way other people treat her. They tend to treat you sometimes like, well, you had a stroke, so that's your brain, so now you're stupid. And they talk to you in that manner. And I've even had one very rude man in a white van in the middle of Stockport when I first took a walk in Stockport, who shouted out of his window that he was disgusted that I'd just come out of the pub drunk at 11.30 in the morning because I was quite wobbly. So you can't judge any book by its cover. You can't say that man's drunk because he's wobbling. He might not be. He might have health issues. But people just see that and assume. I can't walk fast now. So if somebody's coming faster than me, I, I can't move quick to let them through. They have to go around me, which probably sounds like I'm being sort of, you know, I'm here and you've got to move. But it's not like that. You can't move as quick as you did. So it, it makes it quite difficult when you're out and about sometimes, especially in a very busy shop or something like that. They've seen the adverts on the TV and they know about it, but I don't think people realise what the impact is totally. Because I, th I think they assume that most of you spend some time in bed and then you get better. Because you can't do what you did, you don't feel like it's you anymore. You're a different you. So, I mean, if you want to go out now and do something that you like doing, you just get up and you go and do it. You've got to then learn to accept after a stroke that you can't do that anymore. The me was the outdoor type. The, you know, I've done zip wiring, I've done all sorts of daft things like that. It was quite, I wouldn't say a massive adrenaline junkie, but I enjoyed doing things that were active and, and I can't do them. One of the ladies I was on holiday with the other week said she wanted to go and do the parasailing off the back of a boat. Well, I've done that before, so she says, I'd really like to do that. I said, well, I'll come with you if they'll let me. So I want to try and get back to that. There's also a super-duper zip-wire in Wales that goes right over a lake in northern Wales. I'd love to have a go on that. So there are things I'd like to be able to do, but I think some of the things I might be stopped doing because of my disability. When you get there, you might be told, I'm sorry, we can't let you on it for safety reasons. I've just changed my car from, quite literally just, from a manual car to a, an automatic in the hope that I can drive further so I can go further on my own. I think that's the biggest thing, you lose your independence, you lose the being you. And when you brought up children and you've had your independence and done whatever you wanted and then it's gone, it's horrible. I suppose in some ways it's made me a bit more stubborn, that I won't give in. I have bad days where I sit there and think, oh, I'm fed up of this. But then I have other days where I think to myself, get up you silly woman, get up and move, <laughs> because the longer you sit there, the worse you're going to feel. <laughs> So I suppose it's made me that sort of stubborn that on a good day, I'll, I'll fight it like mad. 
I'll pay for it the next time. <laughs> but I'll fight it like mad. Because the only way you'll get anywhere to improve is to keep going. If you stop, you've given up. And she has some words of encouragement for you if you're living with stroke. To a stroke survivor, it's take every day as it comes. If you have a bad day, you have a bad day. If you're tired, sleep, your next day could be better. You always have to start the next day in a better frame of mind, which isn't easy to do, but you always have to go past that and think, well, today I'm going to be okay. To the stroke survivors' families, it's be patient. It's don't stop them if they need to cry. That's part of the recovery. You need to let it out. Don't take over their lives because people are very kind, relatives and friends who come round, oh, I'll do that, I'll do that, which is great. You appreciate the offer, but if you let them do that all the time, then you're not going to do anything yourself. And as a stroke survivor, you need to try and do what you can yourself. If you try and you can't do it, then ask for help. So my rule at home with Dan when, when I got home was, if I need any help, I'll ask for it. If I don't need any help, leave me alone. Because I've got to learn to do things in a different way. Marjorie Stroke had an impact on every facet of her life. The emotional and physical effects of it are still there, but she's intent on moving forward and getting back to her old, adventurous self. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I know that I didn't drive for nine months, and I know that I was at the memory clinic at the Maudsley Hospital to, to try and help me to kind of process things because the first stroke was a right frontal lobe infarct which dealt with focusing, processing and emotions. Please do subscribe to our podcast on your preferred provider and rate and comment on the episodes that you hear to help us spread the word about stroke stories. The Stroke Association website also has lots of resource if you'd like to find out more about stroke. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listener.